Mark chapter number 1, verse number 16. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and left their father Zebedee in the ship with their hired servants, and went after him. And these few portions of Scripture here, these few verses here that we read this morning, we find Jesus calling disciples to him. Now, there's nothing significant at this point about these, these men, these disciples that he's going to call. They're fishermen, and they're working. They're out on the Sea of Galilee. They're uh, fishing in their boats, and the Bible says that they are uh, uh, busy at work, and Jesus comes by, and he, he calls them. He says, come ye after me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And he's speaking a language to them. Obviously, they're fishermen. But his plan was to allow them to become greater. His plan was to call them unto himself. And they then take what they were going to learn, which would be the gospel. Last Sunday was a special Sunday for us. Many reasons. Many reasons. One was this, that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In reality, though, we celebrate that every Sunday, don't we? It's not just once a year where we recognize that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. But it's every, every Sunday. And really, for a Christian, it's not just Sundays we recognize that. It's, it's every day. Every day we ought to be aware. Every day we ought to be thankful that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he loved us, that he sent, God sent his son to be the payment of our sin. And he not only went to the cross, but when he was placed in the grave, three days later he rose and he conquered death and he conquered hell, the Bible says, and he offers us and can give us everlasting life. That's exciting. But I'm glad it doesn't stop there. And I want to talk a little bit about this passage of Scripture. And I hope that this will be a help to you. And I know we've got guests here today. And uh, again, I want to thank you for being here. If you brought someone today... Uh, we're so glad that you did that. We want to make sure you go by the tent out there. And uh, there's a gift that we want to give to all of our guests here on your way out today. Somewhere, though, between Mark chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, as Mark writes, and I mentioned this last week, as Mark writes his gospel, he's very fast-paced. They say about a year goes by between verse 15 and verse 16. The time when, if you were to read and this saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. From that point to the very next verse, uh, a, a good amount of time has passed by. Jesus is beginning his, his ministry and he's calling these disciples. He's walking along this, this shoreline of the Sea of Galilee and he takes note to these men. And I read that passage of scripture and I just pause. This is not necessarily part of the message this morning, but I'm so glad that Jesus recognizes just ordinary people, aren't you? You don't have to have fame and fortune. You don't have to have a great job. You don't have to have great finances. Jesus recognized these ordinary men. And in recognizing these ordinary men, Jesus realized that he could do something with these men if they would just give their lives to him. 
Last week, I was so thrilled. We had a couple during the 930 service that raised their hand and acknowledged the fact they needed a Savior. And uh, trusted Christ came forward and we opened the Bible and we showed them how to be gloriously saved, how to, how to know for sure that their sins are forgiven, how to know for sure that they've got a home in heaven. And Jesus guarantees that. I'm so thankful for that. But also he wants to use you for his work. It's not just the fact that we, we, we are born and we live this life and there's nothing after this life. There is life after this life. And you make the decision where you're going to spend eternity. God made the decision that he loved you. God made the decision that he cared so much about you that he sought to redeem you back to him or buy you back because of sin. We're separated from God. But God looked down the portals of time and he saw you and he sent his son to die for your sins. The Bible says this, if you'll confess your mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can be saved. You can know for sure that you are going to spend eternity in heaven. You can know that because Jesus Christ came and he died for your sins. The Bible says that you must confess your sins and then put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I think about that as Jesus is walking down this this sea of Galilee, as he's walking down the shoreline, he sees these people. He sees some that he knows because he's God, he knows what's going to happen with them. He knows where they're at right now and the condition that they're in, and he knows that if they'll surrender to him, what he can do with their lives. Now, I just want to give you a, a few thoughts here if we have time this morning. Uh, I hope to give you four things here this morning out of this passage of Scripture. I want you to write this down, number one, if you're taking notes this morning. I want to look at the grace of God this morning. I want to look at the grace of God. You know, so often we get, get just in turmoil in the things of this world. We get, we get confused and we get, get our minds on things that have nothing to do with eternity. But I want us to focus this morning on the grace of God. The grace of God. In verse number 16, if you'll follow along with me again, the Bible says he walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. This text begins with him, him walking by this sea. He sees these men as they're fishing, and he, he gazes with this compassionate gaze. Aren't you so glad that when Jesus looks out and he sees you, he sees something that he wants to invest in? He sees something that he wants to, he gave his life for. And not only did he give his life for you, he, he sees someone that he wants to use for the gospel's sake. This compassionate gaze that this Savior gives to these men. He saw these men not for what they were, for, but by what they could be by his grace. He didn't see them as just ordinary fishermen. He saw them for what they could be by his grace. Now the reality is this, but for God's grace, none of us would be here today. I know for me, I was the type that growing up, if, if I had to get up in, in a class and give a book report, I'd rather just faint. Anybody else like that? You'd call out sick. If you knew you had to give oral book reports, you'd call out sick that day or suddenly get lost and not find your classroom, you know, something, anything not to have to get up in front of people. 
I tell people that now and they don't believe that, but that's the reality. I, 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 the last thing I ever wanted to do was get up in front of people and speak. About 16 years old or so, the Lord, I was at camp and I felt the Lord was dealing with my heart to, to preach and I thought he had it all wrong. I thought maybe it was the person next to me and I was in the way or something, so I switched seats and guess what, it just kept coming. You know, all of us, imagine where you'd be without God's grace. I like talking about God's grace. The reason I like talking about God's grace is because God doesn't show favorites. The Bible talks about God not being a respecter of persons. That means this, his grace is sufficient and his grace is available for all men. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your parents have done. It doesn't matter what you've done. God's grace is sufficient for you, and it is there in supply for you. And he wants to save you, and once he saves you, through his grace, he wants to use you for his work. You know the reality of that statement? The fact that God has something he wants done upon this earth, and he's willing to use us to do it. Have you thought about that? You're important to God. When I think about the grace of God, I think how important I am to God. You know, there's a lot of people that walk through earth and, and walk through life and live their life not feeling like a, having any significance, not feeling like they have anything to offer, not feeling they have any value or any worth. The suicide rate in this country is just soaring out of control. People are depressed and discouraged. They look at their life and they wonder, is there any purpose to my life or am I going to make any significant impact in my life? And I, I think social media maybe in some cases have caused us to, to, you know, you ever read Facebook and only, you only read the good thing about somebody, right? You read social media things, they only post the good thing. And sometimes if you're not careful, you can think by looking at what everyone else is going through in life and it seems like all the blessings and all the things that everyone else has and you look at yourself and you think how insignificant I am. I remember there was a time I looked up in the cloud or in the sky one, one, one point in my life and I saw all these stars and I thought to myself, how small I am compared to this universe. But the reality is, no matter how small you may feel, God loves you. And his grace, his grace that he offers, his grace that he extends, he wants to give it to you. And by his grace, you can become something usable for his work. All that would be written of the disciples' work was the result of God's grace in their lives. I think about these disciples I think about these men, these, these ordinary men who were just fishermen. They'd go out and they'd get on their boats, they'd catch fish, they'd come in, they'd sell their fish and have to do this every day. And God had something even greater for them. God has something even greater for these men. And I think about these men, these ordinary men, and these were going to be the men that the Bible talks about in Acts 4.13. The Bible says this about these same men. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These are the same men that in the book of Acts it said they turned the world upside down. 
These are the same men that on the day of Pentecost in Acts, after Jesus ascended into heaven, he said the Holy Spirit is going to come, and you're going to preach with power, and you're going to perform miracles. And here are these men. They stood at the day of Pentecost, and they preached with power from the Holy Spirit of God, and 3,000 souls were saved. I think about these men, these men, the Bible talks about these men, that they went around the known world preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. They, they caused such a stir about Jesus. These men preached and, and, and they healed and, and blind people got their sight and lame people were able to walk and deaf people were able to hear. And even better than those physical things that happened, people got gloriously saved because of God's grace willing to use somebody that wasn't significant, but he was willing to use them so that others could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about that. It doesn't matter who you are, you can tell somebody about Jesus. It doesn't matter what your background is, because of God's grace, God can use you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Clearly, we see here in this passage of Scripture with these men, the power of Christ was at work in their lives. The grace that God pursued then led them to repentance and called them to serve. And that same grace that God used for these men is that same grace that God wants to use today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's grace is calling you. God is wanting you and desiring you to repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it doesn't stop there. Once you're saved, that same grace that God has, he also wants to use you for his service the greatest news in all the world is that God loves us and that God wants to use us for his work Philippians 2.13 says this for it is the God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure I want to ask you this morning First, I want to ask you early in this service, and I want you to think about this question. Are you saved? Have you accepted that grace that God wants to give you through Jesus Christ? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Normally, I wait to the end of the message to ask you that question. I want to ask you this question now because I want you to think about that. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you born again? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? When this life is over, if you step into eternity today, do you know for sure that you're saved? Do you know for sure? Eternity is a long time, isn't it? Brother Cockrell, how long is eternity? It's a long time. You take trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of years and you multiply them by trillions and trillions and trillions of years and you're still just touched how big eternity is. Are you saved? The second question I want to ask you this, if you are saved, are you living your life for the gospel's sake? Are you allowing God's grace not only to save you, but are you allowing it to use you for his work? Are you spending your life living for Christ, or are you spending your life for yourself? 
Are you spending your life with eternity in mind, or are you spending your life to see what you can get and what you can gather here upon this earth, and, and, and to know this, that it's not going to last forever. Whatever you gather here upon this earth, eventually, eventually it's going to rot away. You see here God's grace. I want you to see, secondly, I want you to see this, the gifts of God. Not only do we see the, the grace of God, we see the gifts of God. In verse number 19 as well, I want you to read this with me. And when he had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his, and his John, his brother, who were in the ship mending nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with their hired servants, and they went after him. This text says he saw these men, Simon and Andrew, his brother. These men had gifts of fishing. These men had great ships. These men had hired servants. I'd read this passive scripture and I would think that these men, they, they probably knew what they were doing. You didn't get to the place where you had ships and had people working for you if, if you didn't know what you were doing. These men were probably very good at what they, they were doing. These men had gifts. They had boats, they had employees. They knew what they were doing. You know when he found them, they had a good work ethic, they had patience, they had persistence, and, 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 and they, they, they knew how to catch fish. These were successful men. The very skills they would later, later employ as preachers. They were good fishermen, but they were going to use these things to, to be good preachers of the gospel. When Jesus came after them, he said, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. You know, the thing I see here are these gifts that God gives, and every single person here, you, you're probably good at something, but when you let God use your life, you're going to be able to do things you couldn't imagine you could ever do. You could become what you never could imagine that you'd ever become. Now, I'm not talking about here in this world, not fame and fortune of this world. I'm talking about the creator of this universe. Have you ever thought about this? The God that said, let there be light, and light it just, just came into existence. A God that said, let there be an earth, and earth came into existence. A God that said, let there be a tree, and a tree came into existence. A God that created this universe in six days. A God that can make it rain or keep it from raining. A God that can make it snow or keep it from snowing, a God that can make winter just keep going into April is the same God that loves you. Think about that. The same God that said, I want to use you for my work. And I'm so glad about this. When we think of what God wants us to do, we don't have to try to do it in our own strength. I think that's the greatest part about serving God because if you look inside, you say, boy, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to give. Listen to me, you don't have to give a whole lot in order for God to use you. You just gotta be willing to let God use all of you. It doesn't matter what you think you have to give. Just give yourself and it's God and his gift that takes what you have and he uses you to do a great work. I think of men like Billy Graham I bet when Billy Graham was a young man just starting off preaching, he never thought, ever thought that God would use him the way that God used him. 
I think of missionaries around this world the, uh, uh, that have gone into foreign lands. I, I think of missionaries that have gone into dangerous areas of this world. And, and uh, I've read just, just uh, some that were dropped in by helicopter. And, and the helicopter wouldn't even land because it was such a dangerous place in this world. They just get close enough to the ground to throw their stuff out and let these missionaries down by rope. And they watch these helicopters go away. And they're there in this foreign land by themselves. And they're there. And in their own strength, in their own power, they couldn't do anything. But God's gifted them and, and enabled them and given him his grace. And they go into villages, remote villages that have never heard the gospel, remote villages that have never known about Jesus Christ. They begin to give the gospel. And entire villages become saved because someone was willing to do something for God. Oh, this morning in a room this size, could you imagine this group of people? If we were willing to let God use us. Willing, not in our own strength, but accept the gifts that he wants to give us to use for his glory and his honor. The impact we could make on this world. I don't know if you've noticed this, but this world is spiraling out of control. Have you noticed that? What was once right is now wrong, and what was once wrong is now right. And man now just decides what to live whatever way they want to live. Do whatever they want to do. Be whatever you want to be. The word, the word of God is, is, is mocked. I saw on the news, I saw, I saw an article, it was called Christian Privilege. Anybody see that? Christian Privilege. Now we're, they're upset because Christians have such privileges, it's not fair. We're going to watch our values get under attack. The Word of God is no longer respected. The Word of God is no longer desired to live. We need more than ever, we need men and women that are willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. We need more than ever moms and dads that are willing to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord for the cause of Christ. So we need more than ever husbands that will stand and say, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give in to sin. I'm not going to give in to my flesh. I'm not going to give in to my lust. I'm going to be a faithful husband. I'm going to be a faithful man of God. We need more than ever. We need moms and ladies and wives that will say the same. I'm going to give my life for the cause of Christ. Knowing this, you can't do it in your own strength but God gives us what we need to do his work. He didn't say to these disciples, follow, uh, uh, follow me, and when you start on the, on the course, I'm going to leave you to fend for yourself. He said, no, follow me, and I'm going to make you into something. Some people, some people, I believe, they're not serving the Lord because they look at what they have to offer, and they say, I don't have much to offer. Listen, the greatest thing about serving the Lord is you don't have to have anything to offer except yourself for the Lord, and he uses you to do his work. He equips you to do his work. These fishermen, they just needed to simply surrender to Christ, and he was going to do the work in their life that he wanted done. 
We see the gifts of God. I want you to write this down. And I hurry this morning, number three, I want you to see the guarantee of God. The guarantee of God. Not only do we see the grace of God or the gifts of God, we also see the guarantee of God. In verse number 17, and Jesus said to them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fisher of men. There's no way, humanly speaking, that these fishermen should have been used to make a great impact as they did. There's no way. There's no way, humanly speaking, any of us should be used to make a great impact for the cause of Christ. But when Jesus calls them by his grace and according to his gifts he's placed in their lives, he promised he will make something out of our lives. Well, that would encourage you today. Maybe you're here today and you think, Moa, my life is just out of control. My life is just spiraling. It just seems like I can't make sense out of it. It seems like no matter how hard I try, it seems like I just keep falling back into sin. It seems like I take a foot uh, forward and two steps backwards. It just seems, it seems like life is difficult. I talked to a girl this past week. Called for help. Young girl. Just begin to describe her life, begin to describe the things that are happening in her life. And she just said, it just seems, it just seems like life isn't worth living. It seems like life for me is out of control. It seems I can't, can't find people that truly love me. It seems like I have no purpose in life. And I began to talk to her about the Lord. I began to tell her about Jesus Christ. I began to tell her who Jesus is and what Jesus Christ had done for her and who, what Jesus can do for her. And before that conversation was over, she was bowing and trusting Christ as her Savior. And what a wonderful thing. She searched the world over. She's tried to find hope. She's tried to find peace. She's tried to find love and trying to find happiness and can't find it it just seems like when she grabs it the bottom falls out but he introduced her to Jesus Christ and Jesus gives a guarantee he gives a guarantee number one is this he'll never leave you nor forsake you he gives a guarantee this, that his grace is sufficient for you. He gave a guarantee this, that what he did upon the cross was sufficient payment for your sin. There's nothing else that's needed to have your sins forgiven. There's nothing else that's needed to have your sin debt paid. There's nothing else needed other than Jesus Christ. There's a guarantee here as he called these disciples to him. He wasn't saying, I hope you're good at this. I hope, I hope, I hope that you're going to be able to be successful. What he said was this. I'm going to make you into something. Just follow me. The guarantee is this, that he does the work in you. The guarantee is this, that he calls you, he equips you, and he performs that work in your life. I've talked to so many. They just feel, maybe even after they're saved, they feel they can't get over this, this addiction to sin. And the reality is this, you and your flesh, you can't get over it. It calls you, it knows your name, it knows what you want. It knows when you want it, how you want it. And the only way that you can find victory is through Jesus Christ. And he's guaranteed victory. I 
I've talked to so many that have homes that seemingly there's no way to put the pieces back together. No way to, for the husband and wife to reconcile. I've said the reality is this, you've done so much hurt, you've done so much harm, the reality is the two of you can't put that back together, but there's one that can, and his name is Jesus. He can guarantee a broken relationship healed. Why? Because he said, let me do the work inside of you, and if I do the work, I guarantee what's going to happen. He's taken these fishermen, all they know is to get out on this ship and, and cast their nets out and, and ca- bring in fish. They don't know how to become fishers of men. They don't know how to be preachers. They don't know how to be apostles. They don't know how to heal the sick. They don't, they don't know how to uh, heal, the, heal, heal the blind and, and heal the deaf. They don't, they don't know how to do those things. And Jesus didn't say, if you try really, really hard, and if you push yourself really, really hard, maybe, just maybe, you can become a good apostle. No, he said, just simply follow me, and I will make you into something. Oh, listen to me, he's got a guarantee. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. There's a guarantee of God that he can use you for his work. You don't have to look at your own strengths. Here's a guarantee of God. That day on the seashore, the reality is no one would have picked Peter. No one would have picked these apostles that preach at Pentecost. The inaugural day of the church to see thousands of people saved. But Jesus knew what Peter would become. Jesus looked past Peter's rough exterior. He looked past the fact that Peter was going to deny him when he was going to be crucified. He knew what Peter was, but more than that, he knew what Peter would become if Peter was willing to let Christ have him. Listen to me, Christ does the same for you. He looks past the rough exterior. He looks past the hurt. He looks past the the sin. He looks past what you've done. And he looks past that, and he knows what you can be if you let him work through you. You see the guarantee of God. Our God is so good that he calls us by his grace. He equips us with his gifts. He guarantees to work on us so that he can work through us. The Bible says says this in, in Romans 8, 28 and 29. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Listen, when God saved you, he has a plan for you. I've got five children. My youngest, life is just about eating candy and riding her bike. And as you get a little bit older, in each one, they get a little bit more concerned about how they're going to spend their life. 
The youngest just says when she hears him talking, just don't worry about it. Just come home. Live in the basement. Have some of my candy. You'll be fine. But the older, the older ones, they start thinking about life. The reality is this, that as you start thinking about life, you can get a little bit anxious. Anybody get anxious thinking about life? Anybody get anxious thinking about what you can do when you grow up? Huh? I mean, if you're grown up and you still don't know what you're going to do. You know what the reality is? God has a plan for you. God wants to use you. We don't have to live life anxious of what we're going to be and what we're going to do. God, in eternity past, knew who you would be, what you would be like. And he still chose to save you. And he still chose to use you in the work of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. With God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, when I read that passage of Scripture, you know what it tells me? God has a plan for my life. And to think about this, God, the God of heaven, the creator of this universe, he has a plan. That's pretty big shoes to fill, isn't it? You mean, God, you've got a plan for me? I don't want to disappoint you. He says, you can't disappoint me because I'm the one that's going to gift you and equip you to do the plan. Well, I don't want to disappoint you, God. I don't want to go the wrong way. You don't have to go the wrong way. Just let my word be the light into your path. Just follow me, and I'll make you to be something. You say, God, I don't have to worry. No, I've got your, your life planned out. No, I've got your life where I want it to be. No, I want to use you, and I'm going to call you, and I'm going to equip you, and I'm going to make you what I want you to be. And so really, God, as I, I think about my life, I don't know what to do or how to do it. He says, all you got to do is trust me and follow me. Did you ever start a new job? A new job, they put all these things, what you're supposed to do, and you take a deep breath and swallow real hard and say, I hope I remember all that. God says, all you got to do is trust me. I'll make you what I need you to be. I guarantee it. I'll gift you to be what I want you to be. Rely on my gifts. You don't have to walk through life wondering what life's all about. You don't have to walk through life wondering what eternity is going to be all about. You don't have to walk through life wondering, am I pleasing to God? God says, I've got a plan for you, and I'm going to do the work. Just follow me, and I will take care of the rest. My question to you is this. Number one, are you saved? You can't start the plan for God's life unless you've trusted in the plan of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news. And Christian, if you are saved, are you letting God lead you and direct you? Are you trying to figure out life all on your own? 